I am Justin Freed, and this is the Tech Podcast in 30. We don't know what episode number it is, but we know that you really Nor care. Do we care. No, Nor do we care. Nor do we care. It's a big win. Our listeners care, and they can go to in30.net to find out what episode we are on. Or, or if your fingers hurt, you can type in in30.co and save yourself some characters. Okay. So at the top of the show, I'm going to give an applause, a small, small micro applause uh, to the Google Chromecast development team because now, Heim, what, what is so special? Does anyone know, huh? This we is, can mirror. We can mirror our Android devices to the Chromecast, essentially getting rid of any Apple TV I ever wanted to buy. So it's full mirroring on certain devices with a beta version and a, and a few qualifications, but it exists, it's, it works, they think it's important, and it, it... Heim, have you tried it out? Not yet. I did not get the update last night, so I have not I tried find, it out yet. I find this whole random updating stuff, this rollout system, a little wacky for Google. I know they have a billion and ten you know, devices to, to talk to and, and to, to massage. But they should make sure the in-30 people get it first. Yes, that is what I'm getting at. Okay, Apparently, so well, we have some real-time follow-up. We have some real-time follow-up that Justin was called an Apple shill. What is? What, how is that real? How is this real time? What well, is it was this? yesterday. It was it was forty eight hour real time. Well, the fellow deleted the fellow deleted the offending tweet, and I was I was proud of it, frankly. You he guys are, it up. You guys are getting worked up over a one off tweet that's not worth anything. Just putting well, that out there. He he said I was obnoxious and that I was an Apple fanboy, and I I will take obnoxious. I really. You just it's it's very simple. You pick up a MacBook Pro, you pick up an iPhone. It's a different type of device than the the competition. I, I'm with you on that one. I I, I have the you same know. sentiments. So we so, so we have to learn how to say aluminium. <laughs> you don't it's have to like do a... that. But why delete the tweet? So I don't I I I edit. I, do, I delete tweets all the time. Re- no. I, I delete tweets too, but he's calling out Justin, and I'm sure Justin's happy with it. So whoever you are, uh, so please this, he's so probably this, listening right now. So this is so this is so this is a, a lesson to all of you Twitterers out there: keep the email notifications of the tweets because of the of the retweets of the direct messages of everything. Because I saw it briefly on my iOS device, my Apple, my holy Apple device. I I pulled down notification center. Tapped on the, the tweet, and of course it was gone. So I had to go back to my my Gmail, which is made by Google, and I used the Gmail. I did find it. Best of luck to the guy. Really, thanks for listening. Okay, so this episode number, I don't know X. This is episode N. Um, is about CEOs. We've done a CEO oh no. We've done a CEO tribute to Steve Jobs, I'm sure. But this time we're going to focus on. The, the Google CEOs, or whatever the hell the two of them are, the, the, the double-headed dragon CEOs of Google, and the single bald-headed Indian dragon CEO of Microsoft. Those, the, and because both of them did pretty substantial interviews in the last couple of days, right? So, well, and, and they weren't clear, as in, as in they didn't just say, they didn't make, they didn't call Brian Williams and say, hey, we want to talk. They were picked up by one-off, well, the Google people were picked off by a one-off, it was a VC company. Well, and uh, Satya Nadella wrote a memo and then got got the, the the PR movement and he talked to apparently The Verge. Well, it, the, so it was Topolsky, Joshua Topolsky at The Verge that interviewed Satya Nadella in, and it was directly in as a result of this memo? Yeah, that's what it looks like. 
Okay, and then apparently it was a substantial memo. Um, and by the way, Bill Gates is out there doing his philanthropist thing, and he's looking like a saint, I think. I mean, I, I really think he is... He's, well, not in the education sphere. All the, the NEA people really dislike Steve Jobs, but that's not here or there. What did you just say? Steve Jobs? Did you mean Bill Gates? I meant Bill Gates. Bill Gates. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, because he's, he's sticking it to the teachers a little bit. And he's curing, he's curing like, a billion kids of malaria on the continent of Africa. That, 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 we, don't, that it's, we don't want our unions busted up. Okay, fine. Uh, any, anyway, anyway, so we're going to cover Microsoft first then? Are we ready to do this, this, this guy? No, let's do Google first. Let's do Google first so I can continue reading his letter. Okay. Because it was right. very dense. So you're going to talk Google while reading this is the Satya Nadella interview with the Bergheim. Is that what you're going to do? Well, no, I was hoping I'll talk Google and one of you two read. Paul, okay, you talk know. Google. Paul, you read the rest of the interview, and I'm putting Google Glass, <laughs> and you also and you also read in your right eyeball or something. Okay, it's so there. Larry and Sergey, they're at the helm more or less. Eric Schmidt, I guess, just buys penthouses in Manhattan and like takes strange Instagram photos now. So he's I don't know what he's doing. But it's 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 Larry that's in charge more or less, right? Larry is in charge, and I think from the beginning it was Larry that was in charge. Business Week put an article out, I don't know, three months ago, where they talked to Larry Page, and he gave ideas about the company and he said, "Look, it was my, it's we worked on it together, but Sergey wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted to be up there." Like he was the brains, but he couldn't lead the company. I mean, I'm and I'm really paraphrasing this, but uh, Vinod uh, Kosla, and I'm butchering the name. Kosla, yes, okay. Okay, uh, basically, he's a, he's he was a VC. He's a VC. He got a hold of them, and actually, it's kind of funny. I was listening to somebody else today saying that he actually offered Google money when they were a startup to buy them out and merge them with Excite. If we mm -hmm. all know, remember Excite. They did have a Super Bowl commercial. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> and there's seven, there's seven takeaways. And these are this is from VentureBeat, and it'll be linked in the show notes, which you could take whatever you want, but these are the seven sound bites, and uh, I just want to talk about what they mean by it because they got a lot of negative press. So the first one is there's too much tax waste. Improve efficiency. Sergey Brin says it's kosher for the government to eliminate waste and bad behavior through taxes. And the quote was... I. I think ideally one would try to tax more of the things that we don't want and either subsidize and encourage the things that we do want. The kinds of things people spend money on that are wasteful, you can imagine having higher taxes on. Or some things that are har harmful, like carbon, could be taxed at a higher rate. On one hand, presumably it will slow wasteful spending. Okay. So any thoughts? So this, is, this, is a, this is a Mayor Bloomberg type thing. This is a Sergey Brin wants to take away your big gulps. But it, it just it's a dangerous road for him to go down talking philosophically about government um, and about society, frankly, when Google is on the, it, it is kind of a, a, a government unto itself, a government without borders, um, and it's only it it almost seems like the next step is for him to say, you know, when you search for porn on Google, it's going to go a lot slower or something like that. I, I don't know. He's allowed to have his own personal beliefs, but. He's also got a huge team of lobbyists that make a lot of money, and it's just it. Look, I I trust him more than I trust the Koch brothers, but it's 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 a dangerous road for him to go down on a PR level, I guess. Well, here's the thing: Google is not a country; they don't have foreign policy, and people have like look to Google. Now they're being told to uh, 
this right to be forgotten in Europe, if it's a bad press, that people can just take it down. And they're going, Google, you have to do it. And Google's turning around and saying, we're just aggregating knowledge. We don't, we're not, we don't have foreign policy. So I guess it's it's one of those where I'm getting at is he's saying I in my mind being the Google fanboy that I am is like look there's too much we're wasting too much taxes let's find a way to improve it so we don't have to raise taxes or we can find a better way to assess taxes that helps everyone out. Okay, so Paul, you want to get in on this soundbite here? You want to call him a communist or something? I don't want to call him a communist. I just don't care what he has to say. <laughs> he's, 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 I, I, it's just like anyone saying anything. This is his opinion. He's the, the CEO of Google, and good for him. What about when he starts demanding tax credit? And I mean, I, 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 I will keep my opinion. I don't, I don't know if I have fully formed opinions on this, but it's, he's on the, he, the next step is for him to demand tax credits uh, for all of his data centers that don't use grid power. Or something, and you know, and, and limiting the tax burden um, of Google uh, in the United States by doing so, something like that. I mean, this has real implications. Um, his philosophy has real implications for how the company conducts business. Do you and think so, that he goes to the accountants and say, "Do you think he goes to the accountants and says, save, avoid all the taxes, or does he do that as a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders?" I, I think that at the I, there is an industry at unto itself that is maybe even more esoteric and far removed from the lay person than being a, like a, a, a research engineer at Google to keep these companies from paying taxes and to, fo and to follow the millions of laws that have been created to, to tax corporations, which I guess is a good way to springboard into another one of his sound bites, right? Sure. So the next thing is unnecessary work for everyone, part-time. Larry Page says he's optimistic that robots will usher in a world of abundance and eliminate much of the world of the work we do today. Okay, basically, so here's the soundbite. Most people like working, but they also like to have more time with their family or to pursue their own interests. So that, so that would be one, one way to deal with, with the problems is if you had a coordinated way to reduce the work to reduce the work week, and I'm, I, I'm like, can't read today. And then if you had slightly less employment, you can adjust and people will still have jobs. I have a feel, and he talks about robots and stuff like that. Basically, what I'm getting at is that he wants robots to do the menial work, so it allows people to do the the things that they were really hired for or what they're good at. And for the people that do menial do, work, right? That can't do anything but menial work. I mean, it's a this is this is a huge question for humanity. And and again, his insight here. He, look, he's he's not Elon Musk. When Elon Musk talks crazy, there's like a little glimmer in his eye that you think he's gonna like pull a hyperloop right out of his ass or something. Sergey probably has his research ex people building cyborgs for him in, in in you know somewhere in Chelsea, New York. But it, it's more of a philosophy now. He I don't even know how it manifests itself, but you couple this with the tax thing, and at least you you see where his mind is at. I mean, he's thinking about the future of humanity. These are these are these are big issues and what the future of tech is. I mean, look, it's if I didn't have to grade papers, I could spend more time writing, writing, doing a much better curriculum. But everything but why, I do, why, sh why, why should you have to grade papers if it could be done for you? Well, that that's I guess what he's trying to say. It's this is a menial task of grading papers. I I wish that I could not have to grade papers. Let someone else grade it. I mean, grades. I'd rather not even give the test, but I have to. And let 
let somebody else grade it, and I can work on other things. I, I think that this is this is one of the deepest issues we have as human beings. It's when when you push, when you push this, you know, philosophically to its extremes, you have the Matrix scenario, where we're all fat, like energy-producing lards that are connected to like a hive mind supercomputer or whatever. However, I don't know what the two-sentence description of the Matrix is. And there's a huge long way to get there, but it misses the essence of humanity. This, this, this is, this is, this, the mentality that he's expressing, it almost denigrates the everyday kind of tasks that, that formulate a life. Sweeping up, doing the dishes. I mean, it's not, it's not like, there's, there are diminishing returns on leisure, certainly, and it's, it, I don't know, maybe I'm making it too philosophical, but it sounds like this, this interviewer wanted to talk Nietzsche and, and Kant with him next, so, I, I don't know. Look, I would love to outsource the menial tasks, and so would you, and so and Paul absolutely would. But it goes back to what about the people doing these menial tasks? It's some like recursive problem that at some point somebody has to do it, and if you don't do it, they're going to be out of a job and unemployed. That no human being picks up dog shit. Excuse me. I, well, I mean, <laughs> you have stuff like this going on where we can have robots, you know. You know, sewing clothing and and creating clothing, but it's actually cheaper to you know bring it to a third world country and have humans do it for like no wages. <laughs> that's but, uh, true. So that's what happens. But at what point do the machines become inexpensive enough that we can use them to produce clothes? This is this is a huge that little sound bite. I don't know. This this is the type of thing that when we're looking back in a th- maybe a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years, it, it, it'll it'll not something. All right, let's move on to the next one. Heimtal. Okay. A limit on the number of laws, and I'm going to skip the venture. Beat. This that was the the limit on the number of laws one was the one that was supposed to be the springboard. I I wanted you to do them out of order, but anyway, because it makes sense in the context of the taxation stuff. But anyway, go for it. Do the okay. A limit on the number of laws, and this is probably the most controversial. This is, again, from Larry Page. One thing I propose is that I was talking to some government leaders. I said, actually, I said, actually, to the president of South Korea, it was great. I said, hey, why don't you just limit your laws and regulations to some set of pages? And when you add a page, you have to take one away. She actually wrote this down. She's great. And people are taking this out. Oh, it's uh, they're gonna make they they want to take out the, the the tax laws that are gonna help them and all this other stuff and the labor laws and these laws that will only benefit companies. And I think what he's trying to get at is, in my mind, is that um, there's a whole bunch of laws in the books. We need to simplify it to something that most people can understand and most people can follow instead of having laws upon laws upon laws. All right. I mean, this is. This is getting into a philosophy of law issue and whether or not overarching simple principles can actually make effective laws. And the answer is probably not because there are so many eventualities and we need a lot of codification. Is there too much? Is there a lot of bureaucracy on top of that codification and to implement that codification? Yes. but We just need the too long didn't read version for every law. (laughs) Okay, so making making laws accessible to the average citizen, I think, is actually a great concept, and separate from just like limiting the number of laws, which is you know maybe this it would it would actually uh, it would actually work better. But he 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 just doesn't he sees that that the the amount of time and money that the legal department consumes at Google as waste. He'd rather hire more engineers 
And so it's it's I think it's coming from that perspective. I'm not saying he's wrong. Isn't that what he's talking about here? He's saying, we'll ditch the lawyers, give us some f- simple laws to file, follow so that we don't have to spend 50% of our time um, implementing, uh, you know, implementing uh, the Romania's law versus the Czech Republic's law, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They can't get robots to uh, understand the law and argue <laughs> for them yet. Look, I don't know why that was like brought up. I, I don't know who decides that... Larry Page and Sergey are the people who need to philosophically disagree or agree on stuff. But this is the one that that I think is the most important one to talk about is get rid of HIPAA. Imagine uh, and HIPAA, if you don't know, is the medical private the healthcare initiative. The Health Information Privacy and Portability Act. Time time. See, I just, without Google Glass, but okay. You have to disclose that you you work in a medical office, but that's okay. I do not work in a medical office, nor have I ever, but go on. Okay. Okay. The, okay uh, this is long. But ba- the, the sum it up, basically, they, Google wants to be able to search uh, health records to better find the diagnosis rather than rather than everything be private and uh, to go basically go at it alone. So if you have a disease... Nobody, you have to be the one that wants to share it with others to see if anybody else had it. But instead, they want to release it and this, let and let the data do its magic. This is this is the Google bot reading your email to give you ads in your Gmail applied to healthcare. Maybe it'll work. Maybe HIPAA can be opened up. HIPAA can still be the basis of how that information is shared. So I still think there's a place for it. But he just pulls. Where is he coming up with this? Ten thousand people could be saved number, right? Doesn't he say that, you know, g- give me your health records, I save 10,000 lives. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's certainly possible to, to diagnose things quicker and better, but uh, that's what that was his claim, right? Basically, he's saying, look, I bet you we have the knowledge to cure cancer. I mean, not as extreme, but we have the knowledge to cure these diseases that need help, and we just need to know more. We have the information on the people. Just let us know and let us help. Paul, do you, do you want an Apple or Google or even Microsoft um, proctological exam and resulting uh, chemotherapy? What, 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 do you want the, the Google syringe or the Apple syringe? I mean, is this is time, time on the right track? The here? Apple syringe will be made out of aluminum. <laughs> of and course. the Google syringe will be made by an engineer. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> Paul, are you with us? I, I, I am with you. I, I think I missed the giant conversation, but well, I do not want Apple or Google making my syringes. Fair enough. Fair enough. We will we will steer steer clear of medical devices manufactured by other either company, except if it's an iWatch that monitors your pulse and your sweat level and all this other stuff. All right, time. Let's get through the Google guys because where are we on time? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we are. Ooh, we're at twenty minutes. Two more. Two more. And we'll move on. Rent control. They have a problem with rent control. I I read the argument. I don't think they should. They're basically saying it's rent control. People, there's no capitalism. There's no drive to do more. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that. I see it from both sides, but I don't know why they're commenting on it other than the fact that they're getting protested. Well, and they really like San Francisco, and I think they. I, I think he's something. He's become an elitist over time, and okay. or maybe he always was, but at least he spoke to it. Okay, and then the. Then the last thing is robots are better than humans. Sergey says uh, that robots can build better machine, better better products than humans. 
I think okay. Well, well, that means that the Moto X is that he has on his wrist is built by a uh, a robot. Who knows? I mean, the Moto oh, X was famously built in America. Then it was not built by a robot. Okay, so let's let's let's. Is he saying so, that you know, not like design, but you know, the actual production? Of... Basically, robots don't make mistakes, or if they make mistakes, they're making way fewer mistakes, and they're systematic. Well, that's true then. I mean, that, that's what he's saying. And here, the hubbub is everyone's saying, oh, we're, we're, Google's turning into Skynet. They want robots. They, they, hate, they hate society. They hate the poor. They hate this. And they're taking all of this possibly out of context. And I suggest that everyone watches the video and not just listen to our commentary because none of us are qualified to really actually it talk goes, about it. It goes back to Paul's point about labor overseas being and the people probably being abused ultimately, but being cheaper than robots and, and that is how Foxconn gets our iPhones built for cheap and that's what he's saying. That that robot that in those instances, robots actually build the devices better and he's maybe advocating subtly for those people to be put out for. Alright, let's okay, go let's north let's go north from from Mountain View all the way up to Richmond. Redmond. Redmond, excuse me. Not Richmond Virginia. We're not gonna go east. We'll go north to Redmond. Paul, you just came back. Take us through what Mr. Nadella has in store for the Microsofties in, in Washington State. It's very simple. Paul? Yep. So Paul, take, what, a, what you, take us through what... Did you read what, the email? Did you read the Nadella email? Yeah, I mean, he was... I, I was not impressed with anything. They're saying they're, they're not out of the race because they have... Um, and even since uh, Steve Ballmer left, that they, they have a new philosophy where, you know, they, they're they seeing everyone as people and that people all have these basic needs. And it's not, you know, just this person is business-focused and they, they require enterprise-based software or that this person is like the ordinary consumer and they need consumer-facing software. It's, it's just all people have basic needs and they're trying to cater to that. Um, you know, Cortana does uh, CRM functionality. That's something that Siri and Google now doesn't have because you know it's 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 a it's a business need. So it's, does, this, it's, does this sound eerily similar to the idea of taking a tablet and a laptop and mashing them together into something that's not as good as either? Because what they're saying now is there's no consumer, there's no enterprise, there are people. Which almost sounds like a government program too, like guns and butter. I don't know. Anyway, but that's again, this is, they, they are they are taking the middle ground, right? Look, I, I I'm impressed that Paul got through this email. I mean, I'm scrolling through it, oh, and I'm boring. just thinking, how many people I hit print? How many of the secretaries had to print this for their mid manage their mid level uh, manager over there? It must have been like ten pages, and I couldn't find anything. I mean, Paul summed it up in like. A sentence or two. So, okay, so this guy is now calling the shots at the top of Microsoft. There are elements from the enterprise that when migrated into consumer software will be better and vice versa too. So if they, it just, it, the, the conclusion that they're coming to, I don't know how that necessarily affects the products that they build. So iOS evolved from, from being consumer grade to, to having great enterprise features. Android is, is, I mean, it, it, it gets the job done. Um, 
what is the implication of this? It seems like the, the other stuff that Microsoft, the other changes that Microsoft have made by opening up their APIs, by courting developers more effectively, are more important than this this philosophy difference. Well, no, I think that, that the philosophy difference is that they're trying to be more both consumer and they're trying to focus on the enterprise, but they're trying to work with the consumer to uh, to better their lives. And and I mean that's what a real that they're trying on their end to better their life, but. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, so do you think the secretaries were the ones that were uh, that were the ones printing this thing out and, and no one was reading? I think that everyone at Microsoft was going over it line by line to figure out what the boss of bosses at the helm of this huge company wants from them. And maybe maybe what this does is it it takes. It makes it so that the enterprise people can't get away with saying it works good enough. Their their software now has to be beautiful. It has to be pleasurable to it has to be pleasant to use. And before it didn't seem like that was the case. They could kind of ship it if it worked. And maybe he's upping the standards some. I, I, I well, don't know it says that, look the the Verge headline says Microsoft CEO readies big shake of drops drops devices and services focus. So maybe there. It, Again, reading this 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 novella, I guess, of an email, <laughs> it's it's saying, look, they're they're going in all these different directions. They want to focus on their core, and Microsoft's core was always was always the services. I mean, they, the Windows OS. They said, look, we don't want to build the product. You can license it, but here are the rules, and people took off. People took it off. It looks like they were in the, this device market, and they don't necessarily want to be. They want to make the software and make sure it works and make sure that it's solid. And and Google's eating their lunch, and Apple's eating their lunch on the hardware. It sounds like they just want to focus on what's important and make whatever's working work really well. So does that mean Office for iOS, Office for Android, Office for Windows, Office for Chrome OS? I mean, is that what you're? Is that what you think he's alluding to here? I, I really do. I think it's instead of siloing it on a specific Windows machine, I think they're taking the Google approach and saying, you know what, we're going to make it work on everything, and we're going to make sure it works. Like we're not going to make off it. We're we're not going to ship a product that's not going to work. Paul, and, do you think you think that the the consumer is going to be is going to kind of take it on the chin if there are no more Nokia Windows phones? I mean, are are they? It, is the operating system that 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 Microsoft uh, uses on its mobiles is it important? Or I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know, but people who use the Windows phones really like them. I, I have you noticed that? Yes. Um, I, I've I've noticed that people who choose Windows Phone tend to be very aware, more aware than the average iOS user, the average Android user, that they are on a platform. That is non-standard. It's like the hipster. It's the hipster mobile operating system, kind of. Our podcaster Emeritus, uh, maybe on a Windows phone. I have not checked. Oh, that. he clean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Currently, if he's when the iPhone six comes out, Harry will believe me. He will want an oh. iPhone six, and it's going to be some BS about how he's have he has a new baby and how the camera is really the best in the world, and he needs it. it, it he will. He's not going to Windows phone. I, but. No, I, I I agree with that. But Paul, again, you're right. I think that they're taking the services that they know are good, and they're going to make it, and they want to focus on it. So the reason none of us are buying Windows phones is because we're afraid that the developers are not going to go there. But if Microsoft, 
I, I hate to use the phrase. Yeah, all about the developers, at least for me. Well, I don't want to use the phrase double down, but if they really sunk some money into the three things that they said they're keeping on the device market, the Xbox, the Surface, and the Windows Phone, if they really sunk money into it and said this is what we're focusing on, I, I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot more Windows Phones and Surface tablets running around. You know, it's one thing that Microsoft is getting a little bit better at is dealing with their licensing nightmare that they've created to, it's, it's, especially in the business level, it can really be. I can spend as much time selling the product and integrating it as dealing and dealing with the license. It's like it's like a third kind of like um, thing that has to be uh, dealt with. But for like seventy dollars a year or a hundred dollars a year, you get the Microsoft Office suite, and it is a good service, and it works on iOS. It of course works on Windows Phone. <laughs> and for the first time, I'm I'm seeing the light at the end of the Microsoft tunnel. That if I if if client wants to stay Microsoft, that, that's not happened to me yet. They're, no one has love lost for Microsoft. But if if they wanted to, I could I would feel comfortable saying, you know what, we can do this and we can match the quality of Gmail. We can match the quality of 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 like uh, of a Chromebook experience with the automatic saving and have and also having Google Drive and Dropbox. Microsoft can do it. So can they? How can they convince me? I guess. They've got to. They've got to win on cost too. If I can, you got to wrap up. Okay. All right. So, seconds, so, so I don't know what episode number this is, and typically I say thank you for listening to episode number X. So I'll say thank you for listening to episode N. Sataya, Larry. Thank you for listening to N thirty. Let's <laughs> just call it that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you're listening, CEOs out there, you're welcome to come and join us. But please, please leave your cyborg selves at home. We don't. We don't cater to the robot type here. Okay. Thank you. Okay, bye everybody. Signing off. Thanks. Bye. Good morning, whatever time it is.